How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? It's going good. Good? Uh, it's normalish day. I have a, a wealth of friends and people who care about me. Um, I've had breakfast slash lunch. Mm-hmm. Part of the lunch was a cake. Or I should say a slice of cake. It wasn't a whole Ooh. cake. Yeah. But uh, shout out to my parents. Uh, they made and mailed me a cake. I say my parents. I think it was primarily my mom's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither of them listen anyway. So I'll give dad credit as well. Yeah. Just in case. You know, they, they, you he, never he know. He listens and he's like, I want to talk to you about not getting any fucking cake credit, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, shit. My bad. He writes in, which means I'll get the email first and then I got to yeah. send it to you. I was like, Dave, is this actually your dad? Um, that'd be very funny. Yeah, it depends if he uses my middle name. Oof, yeah, that that would be proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll we'll avoid using your middle name for this for this part. Um, the speaking of cake, though, last evening I actually purchased as kind of a uh, little little surprise. Uh, I, I say surprise. I'm gonna have some of it, right? If I'm if I'm going to eat some part of something that I intend for another person, I don't know if I deserve full credit but an ice cream cake like a chocolate ice cream cake um and what i didn't really fully realize and neither did my wife is that an ice cream cake is basically just ice cream like it's oh yeah that's that's pretty much all it is mm-hmm. um which is good then i kind of want a cake tell you what if any of this apple cake survives uh, you're definitely <laughs> welcome to some What's funny, after I left your place uh, the other day and I came Mm. home, there was a box out my door and I was like, oh, this is from my parents? Okay, this is a cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I would have shared some then. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, But it sounds good. Might take you up on the offer. Although, um, I also understand. We are currently snowed in. So if you need it as like emergency provisions to make it through, um, I fully get it. I imagine me in my jammies, uh, in my bed, like specifically under the covers, covered in crumbs as I'm like, <laughs> shoving another slice in my face. I'm like, this is an emergency. Uh, <laughs> I kind of point yeah. to like the very light snowfall outside. Like, uh-huh. I can't go out there. Uh-huh. It's like your walkway's just been cleared. <laughs> <laughs> There's several old people walking around outside like, oh, it's a little bit chilly today. Uh-huh someone's actively like taking a leaf blower to your car and like clearing all the snow off of it and stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah no that's entirely fair but you know what else is entirely fair is the offering of games i guess that's going to come out this year i don't know actually what would you say your impression is of the games that are coming out this year both maybe like as far as the potential quality of the games themselves and also comparing, we just had an episode on how crazy the previous year was. Um, do you think there's any way it can uh, measure up? Jake, you know, I can never remember what happened the last episode. Sure. Uh, a friend messaged me on Facebook. They're like, Hey, this one thing's always gonna make me laugh in the future. I'm like, what are you referring to? And it's like, Oh, your last podcast episode. I'm like, dude, I <laughs> do not know what was said there. You're gonna have to uh-huh. remember. Um, it's your hair just grays in real time. <laughs> <laughs> what? When was that? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, 2023 definitely had some bangers. Um, 
but like looking up for the upcoming things of items that I highlighted for hey, this is slated for 2024, theoretically. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of them look good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some that also I'm not on the train for or on the same page with. It's right. not fully within my wheelhouse or um, cognition yet, but I'm sure I will appreciate them as well. Yeah. That's fair. I would definitely agree with that. Um, we also have some contingent games where it's like, they may be delayed or they may not have a specific release date. And if those get pushed, I really don't think 2024 can compete with how crazy 2023 was and Armor Core, Baldur's Gate, the whole shebang. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to have anything that's going to break the mold, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, though I am curious about if Silksong does release this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. I assume that will be the peak of Metroidvanias. Right. You mentioned Silksong, and I got I gotta ask for Silksong. I mean, obviously it's a meme at this point. Yes. Like, you know, but on your cloud makeup, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um do you think that they might be suffering from some of this uh fear of success or heightened expectations at this point? Because I, I, I know that this has happened other times in the industry, right? Like Valve is notorious for this where they felt like they could not release the next Half-Life game because the hype was so high that there was no way they would meet it. They would know, there's no way they would meet it, so they just chose not to release anything until Alex, right? Do you think Silksong might be uh, experiencing a little bit of that, or is that too speculative? Uh, I don't think it's too speculative. I think it's kind of similar to what they've echoed in the past, where they don't want to release something partially like they did have the teaser trailer mm-hmm. i think that's only because they had to make one they're like listen we got to promote something at this e3 you're doing it and they're like okay yeah um but i think yeah they very much want to have the full control and attention to detail and have everything be just right for when it's released mm-hmm. um versus like some triple a stuff where it might be 99 percent of the way there but it might have to get some patches and other things right even Baldur's Gate 3 amazing game as voted by everybody like had issues at launch it had mm-hmm. some bugs and stuff um so yeah I imagine they're really trying to hone it as much as possible I don't know if that's actually causing delays right um as far as their schedule so we don't really know what their schedule is but yeah I'm I'm still fine waiting as long as it's a good product that comes out exactly right I don't think we're at a, even now, we're not at a drought of games, right? There are plenty of games I could go back and play and do. Um, and a lot of games I still need to beat or at least take a, a the old college try to beat. Um, so I don't need things immediately. I'm looking at like this list and there's things coming out earlier in the year. And I'm like, if you guys push that bad, that'd be fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> um but yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. The first when the first game released for Hollow Knight, um, they pretty much knew they're like, hey, we're already better than everybody else. Now that they, they now they have to compete with themselves, and that can be that can be the real struggle. Yeah, I think that will also be, I guess, a factor or something that both the, the studio and myself will consider as far as Hades too as well. True. Yeah, because Hades, straight banger. Uh, was amazing in that space and now it's like hey how do we move the bar forward so we're not making like 
a reskinned thing of the first game. Yes. I mean, obviously, new characters, uh, new abilities, some other stuff. Um, I don't think they need to change too, too much, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, just as long as it's it feels different from Hades 1. Right. It is worth noting for Hades 2, like, this is the first time uh, Supergiant, I, as far as I know, is, is making a sequel. Yeah. Um, they really like establishing kind of a new baseline and oftentimes completely genre shifting. They've pretty much done that in the past uh, for most of their games. Like their comparisons are like, this is similar to Bastion because there's a narrator. And they're like, okay, never mind. All of their games have a narrator. We're good. Um, but this is the closest they've come to like retreading the same ground. Oh, yeah. And, um, I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious how they pull that off. But honestly, if they were like, this is a Hades expansion and we just added a bunch more interactions or items or, you know, whatever, um, as far as the story was concerned, like I would have been sold on that. So it's going to be it's going to be kind of hard for Hades 2 to miss. I don't want to curse it, but I don't know. I imagine it just was super well received. I mean, it's been on however many platforms now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. every time we look up like, hey, what games are you coming out? They're like, oh, Hades. I'm like, again? They're like, oh, it's on Switch now. It's on PC. Uh-huh. It's on Mac. It's on iOS. Um, whereas I don't at least remember that with some of the previous titles. Yeah. I think Bash was kind of, I mean, obviously being their first, um, maybe not the most popular, wasn't fully in the zeitgeist, might have been like a sleeper hit. And then when things came around to... I hate that I always forget the name of their second game, even though it's Transistor. Mm-hmm. I've played it twice, at least. Um, people are like, okay, well, I can kind of get on board the Super Giant vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people are like, anime basketball, I don't know. Uh, uh, and I think Pyre was a little bit polarizing as far as the style, because at least people heard basketball and they're like, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. But still an amazing game. And then Hades felt very much more approachable as far as. Hey, do you like roguelikes? People are like, yeah, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. Here's a good one. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, and here is the. Off. It it really became. I think. I think this is true. I think Hades is the archetypical modern roguelike. Like, I can't think of a game that is bigger in that space. Um, for roguelikes, I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of roguelikes. There's the traditional rogue. There's Binding of Isaac. There's all these types of games. Um, and sometimes games release roguelike modes like God of War or Valhalla is the most recently. But like Hades, Hades, and it's very difficult for me not to say nuts every single time, <laughs> um, is like it's 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 the top of the pyramid for roguelikes for me, right? Like it's just it's so freaking good. Um, and they don't need to change that much to keep it good. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a lot of faith. Yeah, it is weird how a lot of things on my list are actually sequels or extensions. That's fair, yeah. Because there's also Senua's Saga Hellblade 2, mm-hmm. which, as we know from playing Guess the Game, I know that fucking game like yeah. the back of my hand. That's uh, true. I, I can't confirm. I literally came out of the bathroom like, hey, Dave, what game is this? I'm like, Senua's Saga next. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's another thing where for any sequel, how do you build on it um, without retreading too much of the ground from the first one? Mm-hmm. 
I will say graphically from what they've shown, wildly different. Um, not that Senua 1 looked bad, but when you compare the two side by side, it's like, holy shit, technology is definitely advanced. Um, so hopefully in there, it's also going to add some additional mechanics versus mm-hmm. sidling, sidling on rocks, mm-hmm. uh, listening to things talk. And then I would say it's still pretty fun hack and slash as far as the combat's concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed like they had a couple of mechanics. They're all straightforward, not too difficult to pick up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Senua has been very much about like the atmosphere and the story. I would say a lot more than gameplay for the first game. Like the gameplay was fine, but you, you if you said that a good portion of it was a walking simulator, I wouldn't disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my main my main concern here is actually with the naming scheme for this series. As a lot of games, they're kind of going weird with it. The first game was Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Yeah. And the second game is Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. And it's like, so this is part of the Hellblade series of games, I guess. I still don't understand why they went with Hellblade at all. Because I don't know if they even make a mention to that at all. Yeah. Um, It seems not cool. It's not like, uh, what's the, uh, that, that fighting game named after a sword? Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur, yeah. It's not like Soul Calibur where it's like this is a core part of the plot. There is no Hellblade <laughs> as far as I know. So, <laughs> yeah. I I think they at least change up the naming scheme a little bit because every time it's like Hellblade sending a sacrifice. If mm-hmm. I said like, oh, hey, I really enjoyed Hellblade. This is my Hellblade cosplay. They're like, what? I'm like, oh, it's from Senua's. They're like, oh. So people associated Senua more so with the name of the game because that's the main character. Yes. Uh, versus Hellblade. That thing does nothing to do with the game, but is for some reason in the title. Uh-huh. Like, okay, we'll put Senua's first, Hellblade second. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I think unless they literally do Senua Saga Hellblade 3, which I think would be dumb, this is the this is the ramp for the next game to just be Senua Saga something else. Maybe don't call it Hellblade, right? It would be fine. No one's gonna hold it against them. Or at least they shouldn't. Then it's going to be discussions 10 years from now. How did you guys feel about the Hellblade uh, series of Senua's games versus the... The Hellblade arc. (laughs) The Hellblade arc. (laughs) Versus uh, when they were doing, like, mech combat. Uh Uh-huh. Heaven's Blade is going to be the next one. It'll be Heaven's Blade 1 and 2. (laughs) You're going to think it's an anime game (laughs) based off the name. Um, Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of sequels and, and follow-ups and things like that coming out this year. I'm looking at my list, and there's not too many, but I do have a couple. Um, I was just going to go through chronological, though, so maybe it makes more sense to go through your games. I think that there's... Uh, I might not have as much to say about some of my own entries versus the ones you're looking forward to. Well, um, this isn't a looking forward to for me, but I think it is worth mentioning for how much we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Destiny 2, the final shape yeah. expansion, will be coming out June 4th. It and that's be. supposed to be mm-hmm. their final question mark? Yeah. It's the uh, it's the end of the light and dark saga is the way they've uh, they've depicted it. So everything that's happened in Destiny 2 falls under the light and dark saga. Um. 
and well i guess technically maybe the red war was a little differently but it, a little different but it, it still basically falls under this this super arc essentially hmm. um and once this is done like if you were to buy the pass like the whatever a hundred dollar content pack is for final shape it includes episodes a couple episodes um instead of just seasons that's what they're calling them after the final shape but personally i think i've said this before on the podcast i'm kind of fine if destiny stops here like destiny 2 does at least um there's a lot of articles i'm still like it, it's one of the the topics i follow for news is destiny 2 and there's not a ton of excitement for the witness in particular who's the antagonist um for this expansion and there's concern about obviously how everything's been handled at Bungie and the layoffs mm-hmm. and not me- meeting financial goals. And then just the quality of the gameplay coming out of Lightfall. Like, if your anticipation of something upcoming should be predicated based off of the results of things that came before it, the final shape is shaky. Yeah, I, I'm not optimistic. But that's me as a person. But it's also having played Destiny 2 for way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, eh. Yeah, I I'd think... I'd be fine if it just stopped. Yeah. I think this could be a good bookend for me. And I'll be very disappointed if the final shape is like, hey, we're very clearly... Like, if they follow this cadence of, well, we resolved a thing, but in the same breath we introduced a cliffhanger. I understand that's kind of how you get people to keep going, mm-hmm. but this has to be a bookend. Like if this is not, we've closed the last page of this book that we're reading. There is the community's just going to revolt. So, because this is it, they said this is the end for for that entire saga, and this is their chance to actually deliver answers to all the questions they're constantly making up. If they don't, then they fail. Guess what's gonna happen? Yeah. Um. Hopefully it's good, but I don't know. Uh, How do you feel about Black Myth Wukong? Which will I'll be, be on August twentieth. I haven't looked that much about it. Still, I still am kind of getting like third person action vibes. Um, mm-hmm. but I would rather be pleasantly surprised that it's like excellent, and then pick it up versus this is something I'm very hyped for and I'll try to pick it up day of or something like that. Yeah, I still think it's a a wait and see like how it actually is played and reviewed and all that jazz. But at least as far as how the game is structured, it being a Souls-like type of gameplay, Mm -hmm. uh, more of an action versus you and a boss. I don't know. That's always the exciting bit for me. Yeah. Because you don't remember levels as much in games usually you're more likely to remember a major boss fight because Mm -hmm. a lot of effort is put into their design their soundtrack their moveset and it's usually like the culmination of a level like if you look at Mega Man um, everything for Chill Penguin leading up to Chill Penguin it's a snow field you have ice enemies cool here's the culmination of that Chill Penguin he's going to slide on his belly and shoot some ice at you Mm -hmm. um but at least with FromSoft or Souls-like type games, um, you do remember some of those levels because they're also made to be very difficult and thematic at times. 
Yes. I think that's fair to say. But I'm always somebody who's going to enjoy like a nice, good boss fight. Because it, it's just cool. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can go back to our, our Fury review, right? Or our Fury episode. That was the most overproduced episode I think we've ever made. Um, but it's because it's just boss fights. <laughs> it's just boss fights. Boss fights and music. But it's so it, good. It is impossible to mention this one without mentioning another thing on your list, which obviously would have been on my list too if you hadn't gotten to it first. But uh, the Elden Ring DLC, Shadow of the Erd Tree, we don't have a concrete release date for it yet. But there's a risk. It's just like August 19th or something like that, right? Like it was, it just literally just eats Black Myth Wukong's lunch because Elden Ring was so good that a DLC announcement will literally take traffic away from other games. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think a lot of the times they are releasing in Q4, so we'll see, I guess. <laughs> I will say Shadow of the Erd Tree and Hades 2 mm-hmm. are probably day one pickups for me. Yes. Yeah, that's also Silk Song because why would I not? Mm-hmm. Um I have to beat it before I get spoiled, I think is where I'm at for some of these. Yes, yeah. Whereas weirdly with Alan Wake, I've still been okay. Mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate 3 has become progressively shaky it's as YouTube's like oh you like Baldur's Gate content I'm like uh-huh. well yeah and they're like here's 13 ways to spoil the ending I'm like stop it uh-huh. yeah. I think the ending has actually changed since we started our save like I, I think oh. they've added more stuff to it so that's good well um, I'll eventually see it on my single player playthrough <laughs> yeah that's that's probably realistically that, I, that I'm two hours likely. into I had downloaded mods for when I I play through single player, then I just like left them disabled so it wouldn't cause any issues when when we continue. But like, yeah, it's it's gotta happen eventually. Um let's see. Uh there's some other things on the on your list here I wanted to mention for sure. I wanted to call out because this one's related to Bungie, obviously. Marathon. What are your ambitions for Marathon? I mean, you could take everything we talked about for Destiny and <laughs> introduce it as a complication for Marathon at this point. I got nothing for Marathon. It was an interesting trailer. It didn't really show fucking anything as far as gameplay. Um, yeah. I really need to see that. Because if it's like, hey, here's a shooter type thing, that's not enough to draw me in. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit behind on FPS games, and it would really need to stand out in a way or have a certain style or gimmick that I was very much into to draw me in. So maybe yeah. at some point in the future they'll release some stuff. I'm like, okay, I could get on board with that. But for right now, I'm always assuming it's going to be like a generic Call of Duty esque shooter. Yeah, I mean, a it's confirmed to be a, a a three person squad extraction shooter. Okay, so that's the type of game it is. I'm well, just I mean, now I can now I can pay for a Warzone, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping it's different from Warzone. I would like to see more of the sci-fi stuff. The Marathon franchise obviously is... Maybe a word franchise isn't really accurate anymore, but the IP goes back a long ways in Bungie's history. And it is actually in some ways tied to Destiny. Like There are references to characters and some of like Destiny's guns. Darcy in particular, I think. Um, But I don't know. I'm very disappointed it's an extraction shooter because it really just screams like we needed a game that was going to make us a bunch of money in our 
free to play esque transactions or microtransactions. Mm-hmm. And that's not interesting to me right now. There's so many games like that. I also feel like that season kind of passed. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just within my circle. But I know there was a time when people were playing Warzone, people were playing Tarkov. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that's really fallen off for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, like I'm sure it still has a large player base uh, in both instances. It's just no one from our group really tries to get that together anymore. Or even on yeah. the other Discord, it just seemed to kind of have blown by. Like it was a flavor of the month. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a risk of that, right? Like this could be like that situation when WoW came out and then everyone started making an MMO. Like you're just you're coming out with the flavor of last month, not the flavor yeah. of this month, right? And I do Maybe think that marathon could... will be a zombie shooter, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just time is a flat circle <laughs> where we're on our way back. <laughs> um I think like I enjoy extraction shooters and maybe it's it's kind of I haven't found the the perfect niche for it. Um, so maybe Marathon could be that. This is my most generous interpretation because um, sci-fi I love. I like that more than traditional military fantasy stuff like or not fantasy stuff, but military simulation stuff like Call of Duty or whatever. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, you're competing in the space of like competitive let's go one more round type games where people have established things they're already doing right so i don't know i would have loved this to be a single player or co-op first person shooter literally this could have been the beginning of their their arc after halo continuing these interesting interactions with ai right like that's what marathon was originally um and like that white paper, that premise sounds so much more interesting to me than a three-person extraction shooter on some planet in the Marathon universe. So, but this is the one that I'm sure bean counters in the background pushed up their glasses and were like, "This is the one that's going to pay more money, right? Like we're going to get more money out of this type of game." Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I think it'll probably have cool fiction, but my fear is it's going to be something like like what Apex was to Titanfall, right? Like they have references between them, but Titanfall was interesting to me. It was like single player campaign. It was cool. I wanted more of it. I don't care about Apex. It doesn't matter if your characters have bios and descriptions and stuff. A shooter, a multiplayer shooter is not the place to tell a narrative story. So trying That's to think of a counter example i don't know if there is one yeah yeah i i hope that marathon is successful enough that they're like hey let's also make the games we kind of want to make like the single player shooters or whatever right and they they get some of that freedom but the company if you're just looking at the games that come out on the shelves you can hope for that in the background bungie might not may not be in that position right now right it's true and yeah, Bungie could be owned by Sony pretty soon if they don't close the gap on their their numbers. So I when really I say Bungie miss... owned by Sony, I mean their IPs will be owned by yes. Sony. Yeah, I really miss uh, having like prolific game antagonists. Mm-hmm. Like probably the most common one for a lot of people would be Glados from Portal. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Radon, Radon, Jesus, Roshan? No, no, no. You're thinking of Showdown. 
Shodan. Shodan. We got yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like these iconic antagonists that will be like quoted forever and live on mm-hmm. just from like their history. Like, I mean, to be fair, they did remake um, that game within the last couple of years. Yeah, System Shock came out last year, the remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the reason that happened is because of how prolific the original System Shock was. And how unique Shodan was as a character as far as, like, fucking with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the stuff in Bioshock where you have your announcer and you're like, oh, he's helping me out. He's a cool... Oh, my God, he's a son of a bitch. (laughs) Like, it was cool to have those characters play, like, such an important role. Yeah. Versus, um, here's your generic uh, mustache-twirling evil type thing over the top. The like, overseer like enemy. Yeah. The, the opponent want, who's clearly who outclassing you and they could screw with you and just ruin your day immediately if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I I know I've said this before when we talk about like good character design. I like a sympathetic antagonist. Mm-hmm. So where you're like, oh fuck, I see where they're coming from. Well, they're bad, obviously, but like, I don't know. I kind of get where they're coming from. Like, uh-huh. I want a little bit of that. Like, I want fear and respect from an I think antagonist. That's fair. And I know this isn't the this isn't the, the system shock <laughs> topic. No, no, like, no. Like, I don't hardly. think Shodan was necessarily that, but um, because she's basically just crazy through the process of going rampant, which is like the in-universe term for it, both in Halo and in Marathon. Um, but, like, yeah. Uh, I guess it would be different in System Shock since that wasn't a Bungie game, but like she is kind of traditionally evil, but she's like she sees you as an insect, right? She is of the higher life form. So you're journeying through this the the station, you accomplishing these tasks, um, sometimes for her, sometimes subtly against her, are like little acts of rebellion in a way. But it's an enemy that you can kind of like hate because she sees you as so very little, right? Look at you, hacker, running through my corridors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I freaking love that, and I'm uh, I'm a feared that uh, <laughs> Marathon will not uh, carry that forward where they could, right? Like if you go back, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention friend of the show Mandalore's videos. If you check out his videos with uh, Gianni voicing Durandal, excellent, right? Like Bungie should have just taken that and been like, this is our next game. Get Gianni. Put them in Durandal. It's all we need. It'd be freaking awesome. Um, but we'll see. And it's it's in the zeitgeist, right? People are still talking about AI, right? Like it's a thing. Yeah. Like I always love the discussion around uh, between like machine and man, as far as ethics, identity, mm-hmm. like exploring that whole thing. Very fun to me. Again, love Westworld season one. Check mm-hmm. it out if you haven't seen it. Don't look up spoilers. Don't watch other seasons. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> they will spoil the first season. Not in the same way. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like if you said like, oh, there's going to be AI in a movie, my brain immediately will go to like some Zoomer on TikTok talking to like an AI girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it being like, hey, this is a current thing versus what it could be. Yeah. Part of the excitement mm-hmm. of war games back in 1980 something mm-hmm. 
was like, hey, what if we had this military supercomputer that had the capability to like fuck everything up? Right. But it was essentially played as a game. So like from the computer's perspective, it doesn't value human life. It doesn't know. It's just trying to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to have the capacity to destroy humanity on that scale. Um, but yeah, like again, it brings up interesting points of discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an, a, it's a fun thing to explore versus just oh my my anime porn will now be I can Google <laughs> more of what I want for my fetish uh, like eh. yeah yeah I think that's that's a lot more interesting and I don't want to disqualify marathon maybe they'll touch some of these tropes but the genre is going to inform some of what they can do and that's my fear is yeah this could have been really cool it already was really cool I actually played like the original marathon games. And yeah, we'll we'll see where they go with it, but I'm afeard. <laughs> I mean, has there ever really been a major IP that had a genre shift as far as its gameplay where that genre shift actually did well? An example would be something like Halo 2. I mean, Halo's always been a shooter. Then they had Halo Wars. That's where my spin off and that was kind of an RTS. I think it did OK. Um mm-hmm. I think that was p- part of the situation, though, for Halo Wars was like, what is the competition for RTS on consoles? Halo Wars was not considered a good game on PC, but it was like, oh, this is an RTS we can comp- actually play on a console. So yeah. I guess by default, it, it, in its weight class, there were that many other contenders. Um, I can't think of anything super readily off the top of my head where a genre shift really improved it but i know that there's examples out there so if you guys have them send them in i can't think of it <laughs> okay sorry I'm, I'm trailing off the beaten path a little bit mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel about tekken 8 i'm probably not gonna play it <laughs> but i'm sure it'll i'm sure it'll be fun to watch on youtube <laughs> uh, i'm in a very similar boat um like i would enjoy playing it for like two hours and then i'd be like okay i'm good mm-hmm like, I like the coolness aspect of it, but I'm not going to learn combos. I'm not going to put on the easy mode to, like, go through the story or anything. It's just... I appreciate it from a distance. Uh-huh. What, what, my, problem, my main problem with it, I know what it would be, is I would pick up Kazuya, I would try my forward down diagonal input, and, like, one move would come out, but not all of my special moves, and I'd be confused. I'd be like, how, do, how am I supposed to play this, right? Um... Because that's the way he works in Smash. <laughs> it's just like forward down diagonal and then some other move. And what do you mean like more complicated in Tekken? Yeah. I'm sure the multiple frame perfect inputs necessary. The, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Combo <laughs> is definitely. They're going to make it easy mode for eight. <laughs> um, but yeah, not too much. I, I think else I'd have on Tekken. Um, this is the most surprising one. I don't have not. I'll be con- maybe not confused, but what do you have to say in the defense of Earth Defense Force Six being on this list? <laughs> so I watched. It must have been Seth's video on Earth Defense Force Five. Okay, yeah. if I recall, and it seemed like a team shooter where like you're defending Earth basically from aliens or whatever forces are like coming in. And it like the scale of it goes super crazy to like where you can have a guy who's constantly calling down nukes, you're fighting giant bugs and other things. Yeah. It just seemed very 
silly. I'm like, I could see some people getting behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am kind of curious to maybe follow more news on it and see if it'd be like a fun team shooter experience. Because yeah. also it has like specific classes you can be too. Yeah, it kind of... Um, I actually wasn't familiar with the classes things. I'm looking at some gameplay now. And I mean, other than like the low poly nonsense, which is kind of ubiquitous for this this type of game. Um, it It doesn't look bad. Uh, I guess a lot of it's going to come down to like, how, how does it feel to play with friends? But it always reminded me when I'm seeing the Earth Defense Force stuff, it reminds me of like Starship Troopers. It's just like, oh, yeah, just a bunch of people fighting bugs or something like that. Right. Fighting um, bugs. Uh huh. The only good bug is a dead bug. <laughs> I'm from Buenos Aires and I say kill them all. <laughs> Never even seen that. Uh, I need to someday. Um. That's it. That's your full list. So if you want to take a break, I'm going to spend the next time, next half of the podcast talking about my stuff. Um, kicking it off early in the year, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth comes out this month, actually. I'm not going to buy it immediately. This is my hot take. I have multiple Yakuza games I could actually play before picking this one up. And some Like a Dragon games. I mean, I'm still, I'm a fan of everything that Yakuza does now since I've had some playtime in Like a Dragon. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know it's going to be a commitment to get into. A lot of time. Um, it is still very much like a JRPG. And I give a shit about like the writing and characters because like they do make it very compelling. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. I also know I'm not always going to be in the headspace to want to sit down for like a a soap opera degree of... <laughs> yeah. Like sitting down for four hours for that. This is the blackout curtain type game. It's like I have entered. It, it's great for the situation I have in the basement. I want to be in a cave. I'll cease to exist for a period of time. But it's really like a PTO game. If you don't want to actually get through it. And that can be a little bit rough. <laughs> You've got to maintain relationships and play with friends and stuff like that. So. um. Even shorter mention though, like so, Skull and Bones is a Ubisoft game. Uh, it's kind of vaguely similar. It looks vaguely similar to um, Sea of Thieves. Um, I don't expect the monetization to be as good <laughs> coming from Ubisoft compared to mm-hmm. um, what Rare did for Sea of Thieves. Um, and it also kind of it has it has nice graphics, but uh, I have concerns about this game like in how it's landing i think it literally is directly competing with a type of game where i feel like if you're interested in pirate games like you're playing sea of thieves so i'm not sure i'm not sure for this one it's also been delayed for like five years at this point so uh i don't know yeah i think if you already have something so major in the market and you have ubisoft of all people being like we will also do that. Yeah. You're going to have just like a a shitty hollow copy. That's my fear. That's my fear. Even with all that time in development, um it has to it has to really land in a lot of ways to be con- continually competitive with something as developed as Sea of Thieves, which has a crazy amount of content now. We haven't had an episode on it, but we've talked about it a couple times and it's excellent. For the type of game it's trying to be, it's so freaking good. Sea of Thieves, I mean. 
Also, you said it so many times that I don't have to do the see if these nuts fit in your mouth. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong, February 16th, same day. Um, I'm not going to probably pick this one up. I made a joke here. I put a joke in the in the, the margins. You could also just play Smash. <laughs> Mario versus Donkey Kong. Well, I didn't. I mean, I've heard the name, but I don't even know what the gameplay for that is. Yeah, I mean, the short of it that I read was... I mean, it is kind of the traditional Mario versus Donkey Kong platforming scenario, like the original, you know, Mario versus Donkey Kong climb the tower type setup with the barrels. But there's also some co-op elements and some other stuff. So I don't know exactly what this one's going to look like. Um, Nintendo doesn't always give you a lot of a preview, but if you want to see more, you can always look it up, check some gameplay, see if it makes sense. I'm not usually too much on the first party Nintendo train. Um, at launch so no i need it to be like a very specific game once every two years Mm -hmm. she's like we need another 2d mario i'm like all right nice i'll check back with you later (laughs) yeah it's not on my list but they are doing like a remake of uh thousand year door paper mario thousand year door should be coming out this year as well that's something i would be interested in but knowing nintendo they'd be like 60 dollars please uh-huh i'd be like dude no i (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah, they like to charge their full price almost all the time. Um, so, uh, moving away from Nintendo for a second, also in February, February is kind of a stacked month as far as my list is uh, lined up. Last Epic or Last Epoch, um, February 21st. Uh, this is an early access game currently, but it's an action RPG. I think something like Path of Exile, Diablo, whatever, uh, with more of a focus on being playable in single player and co-op modes. Um, it's been out for like a while in early access. I put 25 hours in it and it was a, it was a good time. I, I enjoyed it. It's been a while since I don't, I don't recall everything about the experience, but if it's still fun on launch, I might try to grab a friend or two and play through it kind of in a similar experience to something like, um, uh, I want to say Grim Dawn, I think it was called or mm-hmm. Titan quest. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, at least for this game, how does it stand out from some of those other games? Like um, Diablo or Path of Exile? I don't think it has as much complexity necessary, but it does have like faster progression. Like this is intended to be, it's not intended to be a live service game mm-hmm. where you're like, hey, I'm going to be playing this character for months on end. This is like, oh, I, I played a month of it. I beat the game. My character is really well developed. It has good gear. Everything is on a faster ramp because it's closer to that single player campaign style of commitment than keeping people playing the game for in perpetuity. Um, beyond that, I would have to refresh my knowledge of some of the mechanics. I knew that they had some, some interesting mechanics as far as like ability placement and things like that and, and picking stuff, but I couldn't give you a direct comparison to the path of exile, like a galaxy right now. I think the last time I played this was a couple of years back in early okay. access. I will say this has been on my Steam wish list for a little bit. So when that time comes around, I'll probably join you. Nice. Awesome. Whether you want me or not. <laughs> you just <laughs> the match is set to private. How does he keep getting in? <laughs> um speaking of joining, whether we like it or not though, next list on the game, also February, again, kind of stacked, Sons of the Forest. Um, for those who have been listening for a long time, you'll know that we did an episode on the original The Forest. <laughs> um 
and the early impressions of Sons of the Forest have been pretty pretty good. How are you feeling about this one? I will play it if it's not at full price mm-hmm. with people once. <laughs> I I like the forest. Um, I can't imagine they're going to be doing too too much uh, beyond that. Again, it's that sequel question of how do we keep some stuff that the players liked, but how do we also separate from the first game? Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, like you're again on. I assume the same island, um, maybe another island, maybe is actually propagated, but yeah. you kind of know what's going on in the forest universe if you played the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm expecting kind of more of the same, but better. Yeah, it might be kind of hard for them to land that, right? A lot of the the intrigue in the first game is like, what is going on? It's kind of a lost situation of stuff hidden under the island. Um. The things I'm looking for in improvement here are like, one, can they continue the story and keep it compelling and captivating? And then two, have they improved kind of the balance of doing things above ground and doing things below ground? Because that was definitely my, my, my biggest gripe, I think, coming out of the first game was like, by sort of necessity, they had to give you everything you needed if you were in a cave or a facility. And it completely invalidated anything above ground. Like, nothing above ground actually mattered. <laughs> no. It's it's kind of that thing where I think their assumption is the player will be, ah, uh, I need to, you know, secure myself, have safety, have shelter, build up a base. And then at a point, you're like, things keep attacking me. I need to explore for other resources, other things. You find yourself in a cave, and you're like, okay. And you start exploring more caves. And then hopefully you'll eventually find the correct cave. Yes. Or try and navigate very carefully down a hole um, mm-hmm. to actual end game stuff. So yeah. it is cool how that is done. But yeah, if you just hang out in caves, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of had a... This is going to be a little bit of a weird comparison. But something that like Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom did is they had to give you all your tools at the beginning of the game because they didn't know in what order you were going to challenge, you were going to encounter obstacles, right? Mm -hmm. And the forest actually had the same issue. It was like, we don't really know when you're going to be entering these caves, so every cave is going to have nutrition, like granola bars and molotovs and whatever else you need to fight down there. And sometimes like significantly better gear than what you could get on the surface a lot of the time. Um, So it, it, it... in a more ideal setup, I think you would be gathering supplies above and then exhausting those supplies in your spelunking. I feel like that's how it should be. Yeah. And maybe they should have encouraged some way to specifically have you go into the caves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you find out eventually that like enemies are not going to chase you from the outside world into the caves. Right. But maybe having like a, oh, we should check over there. Just Just one voice line, right? Mm-hmm. yeah subnautica kind of did that by having the the drop pods for the first phase of the game where you would be getting beacons that like you could actually activate like those are stress beacons for the drop pods and they were incentivizing you to explore specific areas of the map and in increasing difficulty um, but they stopped doing that by the end of the game because they're like hey we're not holding your hand anymore you need to explore um and yeah, I think I, hopefully they learned some of those lessons for Sons of the Forest. I know you could play it now and answer those questions uh, as to whether those are uh, fully resolved or not, but I would rather 
play it in its complete state at this point, especially one month out. Oh my god, it's one month. Yeah. A little bit mm-hmm. of change, but a month and change, and it's freaking right there. I don't like change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> change? I don't believe in it. <laughs> Point stars, I blow them up. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing through this list, uh, some of these more to say, some of them less. Uh, March 8th, we've got Homeworld 3. Um, Homeworld is a space RTS game with a really cool conceit, which is you have a mothership and you have a probably relatively small fleet. And through the purpose of uh, through gathering resources or capturing enemy ships to get raw resources, you continue to build more ships from the mothership. But there is no homeworld to go back to. There's no resupply. It's just you and what you can gather together. Um, it's a little bit of a dead genre, but they did do a, a, a remaster of Homeworld 1 and 2 a couple years back. Um, and it could be cool. I'm not sure what they're going to do with it, though. <laughs> Always glad to see like more things still kind of existing in the RTS space. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm a little bit removed from it now. That's fair. I still remember the glory days of growing up on StarCraft. Mm-hmm. And I really don't care about Warcraft 3 um, in comparison. Yeah. This game is very much different than that. You could screw yourself over in the previous homeworlds by like, if you had an a, a Achilles type, uh, what's what's the word for it? Um, a victory where you almost lose. Pyrrhic? Yes, exactly. Thank you. A Pyrrhic victory. If you had a Pyrrhic victory where you lost almost all of your forces, it's like, all right, well, bandage your wounds because you're going to the next fight mm-hmm. with the same army, right? So it kind of turned into this. Uh, I hope you can get ahead because if not, you will get behind. Um, which is very interesting. Games generally don't play that way. Um, so we'll see what it what it uh, ends up being. Um, next on my list, also March Dragon's Dogma, March 22nd. Uh, this is kind of like more of a hardcore RPG. The previous one would have been Dragon's Dark Dogma, Dark Arisen. Um, and it's been a long time since I played it, but I remembered it being pretty serious. I would wait for reviews on this because <laughs> I think it also had a lot of bugs at launch. Um, but it's kind of cool that they still exist. Uh, I know nothing about Dragon's Dogma. That's I've fair. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't that's sure the extent whether... of it. I wasn't sure whether I should wait for a quip or just immediately move on. I was like, I don't think this is going to be, this is going to have as much discussion as Marathon. Um, Next one on my list, and we don't have a specific date for this, but Final Fantasy XIV Dawn Trail, which is, as far as I can tell, basically the beach episode for Final Fantasy XIV. I have an admission that I still sometimes think about going back and playing that game because I remember running dungeons and having fights and things like that and having a good time. But to be completely honest, once you get to the end game of an MMO and you have a full bar of 150 buttons and you have to track buffs and are you doing your rotation right? And all the things that actually make up an MMO, that stuff can be less engaging for me. I I, I would just say it's easier to get uh, tired of that. Um, and I know Dave's not coming back to play this one, so I'll just jump to the 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 next game on my list, which was um, Warhammer 40k, uh, Space Marine 2. Um, so this one's coming out September 9th. 
and I had some good experiences with the first game uh, for Space Marine. It's a third-person shooter, um, and uh, it's got like good feedback. The bolts just feel really good. It was co-op, which is really cool, uh, but it's kind of that traditional 40K power fantasy. Um, it definitely had a lot of jank um, when that first one came out, and it sort of falls under that type of game where if you're just playing AAA games, it might not really be one you pick up, but to be honest, a lot of games that release in the 40k space are like that. Um, my hope is that this one improves pretty significantly. Um, but again, 40k space, their games tend to be hit or miss. Um, I don't have a lot of faith that it's imme- uh, immediately going to to land. Um, I'm going to call a pause because Dave's gone fully offline. All right, welcome back. Um, so <laughs> this hasn't actually happened before, but Dave's internet has completely died. Uh, I'm not sure when it's going to come back, so I'm just going to rapid fire mention some of the other games I'm looking forward to uh, this year. Um, thankfully, we made it through his list, uh, but it's just you and me now, a very personal podcast. I'm looking forward to Angerfoot. Um, that's made by Free Lives and published by Devolver Digital. No release date officially announced for that. Um, but it's basically 3D Hotline Miami, which is up my alley. That is an exactly exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, I'm looking forward to Animal Well, also to be announced, or the uh, release date to be announced, um, made by Big Mode. Um, the gameplay looks fine, but honestly, I'm just kind of tracking this because it's the first game published by Big Mode, which is a video game donkey's publishing company. Um, the rest of these also, no hard release date yet. Uh, Core Keeper, which is currently in early access. Um, I know it's a kind of crafting survival top-down style game in that classic uh, RPG um, in that classic RPG uh, style and genre uh, with some boss fights. It's cooperative. Um, I've got a good number of friends who have already played this, uh, but it should be coming out this year uh, if plans hold. Hyperlight Breaker, which is a 3D action game in the vein of something like Hyperlight Drifter, which was the, the previous game. Um, it should be co-op. Uh, it looks really good. It has some notes of Risk of Rain 2 in it. So if you like that type of game, this might be one you want to track. And then the very last one I have on my list here is Lightyear Frontier, uh, which looks like a farming game with mechs, which I don't know exactly what that means, but I like mechs and I like farming. So there you go. Um, if you guys have interesting games that you want to send in things where it's like, Hey, I can't believe you didn't mention X feel free to send those in. It's soapstonepodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, as always, you can always, uh, jump into discussion on Facebook, facebook.com slash soapstone podcast. Um, Dave again has no internet, so he won't be able to say goodbye. I'll say goodbye for him. Um, as always, We'll see you in the next one. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm back. Can't believe Jake was trying to censor me like that by DDoSing me. Very rude on his part in my thoughts and opinions. Anyway, um, just want to say thanks for listening again to this episode. Um, we'll see you next week, and have a good one. Bye. Bye.